What do you want? <laughs> and we're live and on air. <laughs> uh, well, that'll be a great way to start. <laughs> on this totally unedited uh, raw podcast again. So uh, with that being said, uh, this is Life in the Fans Lane podcast. Clark, how you doing tonight? <laughs> Doing great. Got uh, got the NFL draft on one of my monitors and podcast stuff on the other monitor. So very nice. Look at you go over there. Yep, watching uh, Trevor Lawrence about to get picked by the Jags. Nice. You uh, understand? You got that that Costco deal uh, on the uh, on the podcast or uh, not the podcast, but the uh, monitor there, huh? Yep, ninety nine bucks for a monitor. We're from Costco margaritas to Costco monitors. Yep, basically everything in my life is Costco outfits. Nice uh, margaritas. Well, it, monitors. It, lo- it looks like it on the outfit. Thank you. I'll take that yeah. as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I immediately thought, you know, you're going to come back with like an fu or something, and it ran through my mind. Just a reminder: this is not being edited again, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> uh so everybody we uh clark and i came came back from talladega obviously and uh yeah unfortunately clark right this is not our full-time job um it's been a very busy week for me um i'd say probably about 14 hour days uh the, the three days i've been back um so with that being said uh, we are going uh, going raw and unfiltered again this week. Um, we promise we will make it up to you next week. Uh, I got some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, but um, yes, Clark, keep it clean. PG, PG-13. All right? Yeah, very exciting stuff. I think you mm-hmm. kind of undersold that. I, w- I won't say what it is, but exactly. very exciting stuff coming <laughs> in, in the upcoming weeks here. Yeah. So we'll... Uh, that we'll, we'll let them chew on that how about, how, i love that huh yep that sounds good yeah well uh clark why don't we talk about uh talladega we were lucky enough to be there and uh i don't know about you but i had a damn good time yeah no i didn't it was it was horrible <laughs> you know <laughs> don't think i'd ever go back uh you know just probably one of the worst times of my life um, but that had, that's not because of Talladega. It's, uh, because I had to spend the entire five days with you, um, Talladega in, in, the, in the, in the cotton picking little farmhouse. Yep. And in the car with you and, mm-hmm. you know, both of those were not fun, but being at the race was, um, yeah. honestly, I think I was kind of like a, Felt kind of like a 10-year-old there. Um, I probably said to Derek at least 15 times, this is what real racing is like at the track. Um, not not discounting the racing at Michigan International Speedway or Martinsville or, or Atlanta, um, but completely different style of racing than what I've ever been to, obviously. Um, with it being a super speedway and and real quick before before you go any further what do you mean by that 
pack racing is just a completely different animal. Um, you know, three, three wide for half the race. And then even when they line up and kind of get in a freight train type single file formation around the track, um, that can be boring on TV, but was actually really cool to see um, in person. You know, you've got a chain of cars. I don't know how long it is, but it's probably somewhere around a quarter to a half mile long by the time. Um, I, by yeah, time. I think I think that's an accurate uh, estimate. I mean, you have 30, you know, what, 39 cars running in that pack roughly? Uh, yeah. uh, no nose to tail mm-hmm. yeah when's the last time you saw a train go 200 miles an hour <laughs> never <laughs> not even an amtrak goes that speed i don't think no they go like 90 yeah yeah so i mean that was that was pretty cool to see um but the most exciting thing i think is just pack racing feels like it's um feels like it's how racing should be right you've got uh you don't have very many cars spaced out. They're all right there together, beating and banging, several lead changes. Um, you're always on the edge of your seat or standing um, because you just don't know when something crazy is going to happen. And we did get to see some pretty crazy wrecks. They weren't necessarily right in front of us, but we did get to see some pretty crazy wrecks while there. And I don't know. I think that kind of sums it up. Um, I I'm definitely excited to go back to Talladega probably twice a year. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I think that even kind of puts uh, Daytona on my radar as well. Um, I, I got to say, if you're, if you're thinking on Daytona, like Daytona is like I, you and I talked like that racing wise, Talladega is, by far um probably the most exciting race that that we're gonna go to um but like the facility of daytona is like it, it's brand new i mean it, it was brand new in 20 2017 i think is when it was uh when the stadium uh w- was made but but yeah like it's it's just a you know you get the super speedway racing but it's like a completely different atmosphere with uh how updated the stadium is yeah for sure and that I- of course, that'll play into, you know, I, I can definitely see myself at the Daytona 500 at some point in the next year to three years. And I can, uh, you know, I definitely plan to be back to Talladega as soon as possibly even October. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the plan. Uh, yeah, as, men, as Clark mentioned, we had uh, a great time. Um, and as mean as we are to each other on the podcast, just imagine what it's like actually in person. So, um, there's a lot of FUs and, and, and other, um, things thrown around, I guess, over this past, the past five, six days when we were there. But, um, yeah, it was just Talladega the the whole trip I, I thought was perfect. Um, you know, you and I were, we were working on our way down and, um, you know, got a lot done, made some sales. Um, and then, uh, you know, that drive went pretty quick, uh, got down to the Airbnb and, uh, immediately threw on a, what'd you say? A 15, 16 pound brisket. And I, I think that we were uh, to smoke, I'm sorry. And then we, uh, I think we finished probably 
I'd say 13 or 14 pounds at least, which <laughs> that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you know, by the time it all cooks down and everything, it's probably, you know, eight, nine pounds or 10 pounds mm-hmm. or something like that. But it was, uh, we did some work on it over the course of our time there. And we, you know, we still had time to go to Jack's uh, and get some, <laughs> some biscuit sandwiches and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Good old Jack's. Uh, we, we discovered this, this fast food place down there called Jack's and uh, you know, we, we kind of white basic white girl that up on Saturday, we, we stopped by Starbucks uh, on the way to the track and, and kind of thought, well, wait a minute, this isn't right. We're headed to Talladega. We got some, got some iced coffees, <laughs> some specialty iced coffees. We had to redeem ourselves with uh, two two dollar and uh, two twenty two. I'm sorry, two for two twenty two bacon biscuits from Jack's on Sunday. Right? That was Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Sunday. Yep. Yep, and they were good. <laughs> starting starting race day off right. <laughs> two for two twenty two biscuits and black coffee down there in Bama. Um, no, it was, uh, it was a great weekend. Uh, we, like I said, we, we got to the Airbnb on Friday. Um, I'm sorry, on Thursday, uh, Friday, Clark and I both had to work down there. Um, and then Saturday we, uh, we went to the track and, uh, we were expecting rain all day Saturday and, and both you and I walked away, uh, pretty sunburnt, um, because we were actually able to get into the, uh, Arkham Menard series race, which we, we didn't have tickets to, um, we luckily got in, um, to watch the race, uh, Arca race. And then after that we had tickets to the Xfinity race. So we were able to just hang around and, and wait for that, but ended up being a beautiful day. Um, with the exception of a little bit of rain at the Xfinity race, but, um, it was really relaxing to just go check out the racetrack too. I mean, obviously you and I went on Friday night and, and kind of checked out the property and found out where we were going and, Clark and I were just pretty much itching to get out of the, the cotton picking little farmhouse on Friday, uh, Friday night. And so we, we just took a drive to the track. It was about an hour away, but, um, you know, a lot of campers down there, um, still a lot of, um, uh, haulers moving in and campers moving in, even, even close to race day. So, um, you couldn't beat it riding with the windows down and just kind of cruising around the property there. Yeah. I mean, if anybody's like considering getting into NASCAR and going to a going to a race, I know that that's a far play. Like if you're living up north or in the Midwest or whatever, I know that's a far trek to go to a race. But I I don't think there's anything quite like that experience. There, I mean, you you're probably right that Daytona might be better. Um, at least as far as the the fan environment is concerned, maybe not necessarily as far as racing is concerned, but um, I would I would totally recommend that being your first race because you know you you can have boring races at Michigan or any any of the the tracks that are local here in the in the Midwest, but I don't know that you can see a boring race at Talladega, <laughs> and I think. Yeah. I think the race that we were at was probably like, if you go back and look at the the past three to five races, I would probably argue that the race that we were at was probably the most boring of the, of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was still the best experience that I've ever had at a racetrack. I, you know, I wouldn't really say boring. I, I was, I was curious about what word you were going to use there. And I, the, the word that I, say is probably tame 
the most tame race yeah. at Talladega in probably the last year or two uh, or three. But um, with that being said, you know, you don't always have to tear up 30 cars when you go to Talladega and Daytona. Um, it was a really good race. Lots of passing, a um, couple wrecks. Uh, first time I've seen a car get upside down in a race, um, even though we were, um, you know, across the across the track from it. Uh, you know, I looked up and, and saw all, all I saw was the bottom of Joey Logano's car. So uh, I have never seen that in a race um, in the. 17 years I've been going to racetracks. Um, so um, it was pretty wild. Um, nothing beats Talladega. And uh, as Clark mentioned, we are, we are already, pl- we are already planning our trip for the fall. So um, just getting ready to lock that down and um, make it a, a triple header weekend. Uh, there, it's going to be a playoff weekend there in, in October um, or September, October. It's going to be um, cup trucks and Xfinity all racing for playoffs at that point. So that, that just, raises the intensity even more. Yeah. And it's going to be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, that, that's a a little bit about our weekend, but um, let's talk about the uh, driver's weekend uh, for the races this weekend. Uh, Our boy Jeb Burton taking home the Xfinity series win. Uh, (laughs) You and I were obviously upset. It started raining. Uh, We were about a lap too late in terms of going back racing uh but it was really cool to see another first time um and and jeb was was nice enough to come out and do a burnout right in front of us there in in the rain and um yeah once the rain started it it, it only lasted about five minutes but it rained really hard and um and that and that ended the day so uh, but Jeb Burton was followed by Austin Sindrick and AJ Allmendinger, uh, Jeb's, ter- uh, Jeb's teammate. So uh, another showing, uh, strong showing for Colleg Racing uh, with the 10 of Jeb Burton and uh, 16 of AJ Allmendinger. With that win, uh, that obviously moves uh, Jeb Burton up into playoffs. Uh, Jeb has kind of had a uh, rocky career to this point in NASCAR and uh, has had his fair, fair share of, of truck starts and Xfinity starts. And, and now he's finally getting a great opportunity with college racing and he is capitalizing on it. So uh, with that win, Jeb moves up to fourth uh, in the point standings behind his, uh, his uh, cousin, Harrison Burton, and third, Daniel Hemrick in second and Austin Sendrick still leading the points. The, Cup Series on Sunday, uh, Brad Keselowski taking home the checkered flag. Uh, that is Brad Keselowski's sixth win at Talladega Super Speedway, and I believe he tied Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Is either senior or junior? I can't remember, but uh, obviously a huge milestone. Anytime you can you can uh, tie tie those guys there. So um, so Brad Keselowski first, William Byron second. And uh, Michael McDowell coming up third. How about that? Michael McDowell almost took the second super speedway race of the year after, after I told you he would never, never win the Daytona 500. Yeah. Thank you for the reminder. Mm-hmm. I think you're still pissed about it. Yeah, I certainly am. <laughs> Could add yourself 300 bones with just a dollar, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ouch. That hurts. Uh, point standings. Uh, well, and of course, with Brad Keselowski winning the race, that is our 
ninth different winner out of 10 races, I think. Let's see. Yeah, ninth different winner out of 10 races. So we will uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit about, about the playoff field um, squaring up. But uh, so the point standings, Denny Hamlin continues to lead without any wins still. Uh, but he has an 87-point lead on Martin Truex Jr. and Joey Logano. So, yeah, the uh, I, I thought there were two very solid races on, on uh, Saturday and Sunday. And, um, man, this, this playoff field just keeps thickening. Yeah, and I, w- I want to make note really quick of something that I thought was very cool and, and made the race very exciting for me to I forgot to bring it up here just mm-hmm. a few minutes ago, but the driver that uh, led the most laps in the top five, who was it? In the Cup Series? Yeah. Well, Matt DiBenedetto. <laughs> I, I had a feeling that's who it was, but I had to go back and look. Yeah, he, uh, he led 28 laps. Um, Brad Keselowski led one. He led the one that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, I mean, that was very exciting for me to to be at <laughs> the first race since I've become a DiBenedetto fan um, and see him do really well and, uh, you know, be leading the field multiple on multiple different occasions. He actually won his first career stage. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. It was, uh, you know, I feel like that was worth mentioning. I, I thought it was really cool to see Matty D uh, go up and have a successful day. And I, I started getting really excited thinking he was going to go win that thing. I had a little bit of money on the line if he did. Um, you know, I think I was going to win somewhere around a thousand bucks or something like that. So um, that at, that played a factor into it as well. Having some bets uh, placed on the race uh, definitely gave a a different perspective than I've ever had at a racetrack as well. Um, I've never had money on a race while being at the race. Um, but regardless, I think even if I wouldn't have had uh, money on the race, I probably would have had equally as, um, I think I would have been equally as, I guess the word would be like emotional when, when Matty D was taking the lead and leading the field. Um, you know, I thought that was just, really cool to see yeah um you know like i looked down in the stands and, and i don't think there's a single fan there that wasn't pulling for matty d uh we've talked about uh matt de benedetto and his his uh career the far and and kind of getting i guess what you could say the short end of the stick um in in his career and the rise that he's had but um he <laughs> sorry got hair in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is totally unfiltered. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Matt DiBenedetto, he um, he has such a great opportunity and, and a great attitude and positive attitude. I think that's I think that's part of his appeal um, to a lot of fans. And and even though he keeps getting kicked down, he's still um, still clawing back up. And you can't help but root for the guy, right? And when when Matty D was leading, uh, you know, you and I are obviously ecstatic, especially as we get closer to the end of the race. But I look at the grandstand. All I see is, is fist pumps, like go Matty D, go Matty D. Right. And it was, it's so cool when you have that, 
um, like that camaraderie with the fan base. Um, and, and NASCAR is a little bit different. Like, I, obviously, you're a, you're an NFL fan. You're a Lions fan. If you're at a Lions game, you you get that all the time because you're there with other Lions fans. It could be argued that I probably feel the same way because I'm a Chase Elliott fan and that's the most popular driver. So, so in chase leads, you know, people are going crazy, but to see like the collective fan base come together, no matter if your driver is uh, Joey Logano or Martin Truex or Kurt Busch or Chase Elliott, everyone was cheering for Matt DiBenedetto on Sunday. And, you know, I looked at turn one as, as Matty D's leading with like, five or six laps to go. And, and it was just the excitement in the air of, of hoping this guy was going to get his first win. So it was, it was really cool. And um, he was, uh, he was a lane change away from, from getting that win. So um, man, I, I hope it's coming for him. He, you know, as he, as he mentioned in an interview this week, um, Talladega has been a great track for him. He, he led quite a bit last year and, and unfortunately lost on the last lap. And, and again this year, but um, we talk about, the pack racing and the the huge drafts that you get at Daytona and Talladega. And it's really hard to block these um, block these runs that people get on you with the aerodynamic package. I told you in the grandstands, I don't want him leading coming to the white flag. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, you know, I think you kind of hit it on the head, the, you know, the way that he reacts to things um, is, is the appeal. Um, You know, that's the main reason that actually it's the, I would say the only reason I became a fan of him, you know, he had that emotional race. Oh man. Where was that at? Bristol. Uh, Bristol. Yes. He had that emotional race at Bristol where, you know, he again was running really well. And the, the interview afterwards, you know, he had just said, man, I just wanted to get it done for this team so bad, even though he, I believe had just found out that he wasn't, he had lost mm-hmm. his ride for them, yep. um, you know, and all he wanted to do was go out there and win for the team who just, um, who just basically delivered bad news to him a few days prior. And, uh, and then, you know, this week, uh, at Talladega, you know, they, they ask him, you know, how fun was that? You know, I forget exactly what the question was, but, you know, is it disappointing that you didn't come away with the win? And he just said, our day will come. Um, He said, we'll get there. Uh, It's just so circumstantial. Our day will come. Um, And that's, you know, that that's such a class act answer. I'm, I have to imagine in his head, the emotions that are going through his head are like, man, (laughs) a a lane change away from winning this race. And, but that's not what he puts on to the public. You know, he's not going to come yeah. out there, you know, say like, I wanted it so bad and you know, I'm dumb. <laughs> I made, <laughs> I made a bad move or, you know, it, it's, it wasn't a dumb move. You know, yeah. you never know what's going to happen when you pick a lane. You know, I, I firmly believe that lane would have won if Tyler Reddick didn't jump out of line on the backstretch and, and almost yeah. made it three wide. I told you that. Yeah. 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 He went to block Blaney's run and, gave Kozlowski the opportunity. So and because Blaney's run went away. <laughs> well, and, uh, he and did, here, he and he, here's the deal too. Like I was listening to some audio this week and um, for our casual listeners out there, the driver doesn't always 
have the most say in a move like that. Um, at a super speedway track, it's more the spotter that's making that call. And when you're a driver, you put a lot of trust in your spotter of where the, where the next run is coming from with the, the line or, you know, what, um, what line is moving. I mean, so I listened to his spotter audio and his spotters telling him top lines coming, top lines coming, jump up, jump up. So Matty D probably didn't even really make that decision on his own. He, he heard a spotter call it. I would say a spotter's probably beating him, beating himself up more than Matty D is. And he said, Hey, spotter tells me the top line's coming. That has, uh, that has the best chance of winning this race. I'm jumping up to the top. And like I said, the top run did have the best chance until Tyler Reddick jumped out of line. Yeah. And that, and that's another good point. I think that just kind of speaks to his character because there are, there are drivers. I'm not going to name any names, but there are drivers in NASCAR that would say spotter told me to move up. I moved up. Mm-hmm. Um, Matty D our day will come. Um, (laughs) Not going to throw anybody under the bus, not going to, not going to blame anybody but himself. And he didn't even really blame himself. He just said, you know, we're going to get there. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to race. And uh, I I think that's ultimately, um, you talk, we, you talk a lot about why you pick your favorite driver and why you like who you like. And, you know, both of the the drivers that I've picked, I've picked for a reason. You know, Jimmy Johnson was a champion of the sport and then just a, a class act. You know, he was very similar to Matty D in in the way that he carried himself in post-race interviews and, and you know, off-the-track interviews in general. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things that it's very cool to see when your driver is not not going to be a hothead after something that could be so emotional. You know, he lost out on, I don't know what the difference in purse was between first place and fifth place, but he was also, you know, the, the money side of it probably doesn't matter that much to him, but he also was about to win a race for his sponsors and win his, you know, his first race, I believe it would, yeah, it would be his first win. And, uh, you know, all of that emotion out the window, just our day will come. So very yeah. cool to see. Absolutely. Well, uh, we were not the only ones that enjoyed the race on Sunday. Uh, and with that, let's jump into our news and talk about, uh, first off, some TV ratings. Uh, I'm just uh, finishing off this uh, this bottle of Gentleman Jack, by the way. Sorry, I had to pour that in there. I'm out of ice, so I'm, I'm pretty much drinking um, straight whiskey at this point. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week. Uh, I'm drinking, before we move on, I am drinking Pedialyte because I just got my second vaccine and I'm trying to stay hydrated. Yeah, I uh, pry pry Clark off the couch, I think, to jump on this episode tonight. So, little little guy's feeling a little under the weather. Yeah, it hit a little hard. If I don't, (laughs) if I don't feel, if I don't sound like my normal self, that's why it hit a little hard there for a second. I had to take a little nappy and. Now I'm up recording this thing. Yeah, all rejuvenated, all from that Pedialyte. Pedialyte, we'd appreciate your sponsorship. Uh, join us on uh, in the fan life in the fans lane. Uh, yeah, we'd love to have you. So, Clark Clark's a big fan of that, especially when he goes out drinking. Yep, uh, life in the fans lane presented by Pedialyte. It sounds great <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right, well, uh, at uh, the Talladega race with us, but. Uh, it was also a very popular race as well. Uh, Fox earned a 2.81 rate 
4.7 million viewers uh, for Sunday. That is up 4% from 2019. Uh, and it's actually the highest uh, since the first race back from the pandemic last year. Awesome, awesome numbers coming from Talladega. Talladega. And, and, and as we just mentioned, that's the reason why. I mean, it's fantastic racing. So um, I would love to get more people excuse me, love to get more people uh, to watch the Talladega race and um, really check it out. Unfortunately, that's not how every race is, but um, it, it sure is exciting as hell when you're watching it. Uh, Valvoline has expanded its partnership with Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, they are an associate sponsor. Um, Clark, remind me to explain what an associate sponsor is uh, when I get done with this. Uh, but for Kyle Larson at Nashville Super Speedway, uh, Daytona, uh, Daytona in the, in the summer or fall, fall race, I'm sorry, and Bristol in the fall. Um, so now that's, that's three companies that have, uh, signed on with Kyle Larson. There's a uh, Freightliner, Nations Guard, and, uh, Valvoline. So, um, so yeah, Kyle Larson continues to, to pick up some traction with some sponsorship. And uh, Valvoline just extends their partnership with NASCAR. They've been with uh, NASCAR and, and various teams for, for forever. So, um, so yeah, great to see. Great to see. Um, an associate sponsor, though, what that essentially is, it, it's kind of like a, a smaller sponsorship that, that a, um, a brand can get on somebody's car. So if you look at, like, the, the rear quarter panels or maybe the front quarter panel, like just in front of the number, um, that may be an associate sponsor back window uh, between the, or like the sheet metal that runs between the windows. That's where the, the logos are going to be. Um, those are typically associate sponsors, smaller sponsors um, that, that may not put in as much money or they may. So like Valvoline, obviously they're going to have a uh, primary sponsor, uh, with Kyle Larson, that means the whole car is going to be wrapped in Valvoline colors, but they're going to sign on as a primary sponsor for three races. Um, and then they're going to go out as, as an associate for the rest of the races. So they're going to be they're They're always going to have that Valvoline logo on the car somewhere, even if it is small. Uh, so yeah, Valvoline, great partner of the sport dating all the way back to like, uh, Mark Martin days and, um, hell, even before that time, um, Way before we were born. <laughs> uh, Colleg Racing. Uh, we brought them up in the Xfinity Series. Uh, they have been around for, shoot, maybe seven, eight years in the Xfinity Series. Uh, and I think you and I talked a little bit that they were weighing going uh, full-time in Cup in 2022. Uh, well, Matt Colleg, the owner of Colleg Racing, has confirmed this week that they are going full-time in 2022. Uh, no, no word on where they're going to get that charter from to be sure they're guaranteed in the race. But, um, I, I think colleague is really going to be a factor once they get up and going. Um, we've seen Kaz Grala and, and AJ Allmendinger, uh, have some pretty solid runs this year, but, um, once they get full time, it is going to be an adjustment. I don't expect them to jump off, um, quite as well when they're running full time. I, I look at it kind of like what 2311 racing has done. It's a challenge. But uh, to have Colleague Racing in the Cup Series, it's going to be a good quality team and a, and a team that puts a lot into the sport. So we'll see if we get to see your, your boy Kaz uh, run some, some more consistent races. 
Mr. Kaz. Mr. Kaz. Mr. Kaz ran the race on uh, on Sunday, and let me check my notes, but I think he got a top five. Let's see. Six, Kaz. Sixth place. Kaz, sixth place. They had originally placed him in fifth, but uh, going back to the scoring loops, uh, apparently placed just outside the top five. So um, good for Kaz. Um, personally, I don't think Kaz Grala is going to run full-time in 2022 for Colleg in the Cup Series. Um, I'm calling it right now that Justin Haley is going to get the, uh, get the call up for college racing, but we shall see the race team Alliance, uh, the organization that kind of back for all these race teams and, and, uh, fights battles in terms of funding, um, and, uh, decisions that are made with the sport. Um, stuff like that to where like this whole alliance group comes together and says, yay, we like this or nay, we don't. Um, they have commissioned uh, Nielsen, uh, the, the TV, I believe it's a TV company that kind of watches ratings, right? You know what I'm talking about, Nielsen? You familiar with that? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So uh, one of the, the big questions going into next year and, and beyond is, where is the number placement going to be on these race cars? And we talked about before how they're talking about the number being possibly moved back to increase sponsorship. Um, uh, what do I want to say? Exposure. And there's a lot of turmoil in the industry when the sponsors are, or I'm sorry, when the teams versus the fans, you know, I, I would have to say that most traditional fans and teams are like, ah, we don't like that. You know, we want the number centered on the door. That is a staple of NASCAR, um, which I agree with. But on the other hand, you have sponsors that are playing that are paying millions of dollars that are wanting to have more uh, exposure for their brands and more space to really showcase their brands. So they're talking about moving that to the the what I want to say, the door of the car and shift the number. Um, my opinion is it can be done if the paint scheme matches correctly. Um, it can't be just kind of thrown together. Um, and if, if it helps the financials of the sport and helps the financials of the teams, I say we got to go for it. I mean, yes, it's taking tradition away. I'm not like completely opposed to it, but the teams and the, and the artists that design these cars are going to have to work their butts off to make sure the cars actually look good, too. What's, what's your opinion on that? I think we've talked about it before, but what, what do you think about the numbers moving back? Yeah, I think, I think you know, like I said before when we talked about it, um, we actually did talk about it on an episode, mm-hmm. I believe, past. Yep. Um, I'm all for it. Um, and, you know, I think I, I even mentioned before I'm okay with um, – letting the team decide, you know, if they, if I think once I saw the cars on track, if there was, if there was a, not like a uniform spot where the numbers at, I wouldn't mm-hmm. like it. Right. Uh, but I'm not opposed to saying that I would be okay with it right now and letting the teams choose, you know, and maybe they all choose the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might all say, well, we want to give our sponsors more room on that, you right. know, port- of the car so we're going to move the numbers back or maybe they say the fans are more important to us and we've heard you know a lot of their um which i i don't think would be the the route that they would go um because sponsor fans do bring money to the sport but 
uh, sponsors bring money to the teams more so than the fans do. Right. So, right. Um, I would, I would assume even if you let them choose, they're going to do whatever appeases the sponsors. Um, I, I'm all for it. I think, um, I think giving the sponsors give so much to the sport and make a lot of these teams, um, successful and as far as financials are concerned and it's a it it should be a partnership it shouldn't be and i think i think it is a partnership right now but um what what does it really affect other than maybe a fan or two is going to be and and by a fan or two i mean probably a majority of the old school fans are not going to be happy but what does it really affect other than that uh it gives the people who are giving who you're in partnership with, it gives them a little bit more room for exposure. It gives them, uh, it gives the teams probably more, I don't know the exact details of the the plan, but it probably gives them more exposure to have more sponsors um, for the teams that can afford to put more sponsors on the car and still have it look, you know, like a presentable car. I think it, it probably opens up the door for that. So I'm I'm for it. Uh, maybe maybe if it's like a two year deal or something, m- make it kind of short term. See if there's see if there's a ton of pushback from the fans and see if there's actually fallout from ratings and and butts in the seats. Which if if you're not going to show up to a race and you're not going to watch a race on TV because of where the number is placed on the door, in my opinion and this is probably a bad take or, you know, maybe not the most popular take. In my opinion, I don't think you're a true fan of the sport if you're not going to watch it because of a number placement. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think you have to understand the business side of the sport too. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe we can find someone to ask about that, you know, what their opinion is on, and maybe someone that works in the sport. So, um, but the, I guess I didn't even really say what the news part of this was, but uh, Race Team Alliance has commissioned Nielsen uh, to study the potential value for the sponsors of moving the car number uh, decals and, and sponsors. Um, that, because, I mean, you're going to look at Nielsen and see how much exposure each spot gets. And, and really that takes the emotion out of it, right? Um, so in, in my industry, right, where I work with restaurants, I we look at menus and say, okay, we're going to run sales data and, you know, you may have somebody that likes, you know, their three eggs and, you know, toast or whatever. And, but you want data to make sure that matches up with making sure your restaurant is profitable and also um, that it makes sense for, for that, right? So it's kind of the same thing. And I think I think NASCAR turned to Nielsen because they didn't know what direction to go. They're they're either going to upset fans or they're going to upset race teams or they're going to upset sponsors. So they're going to take Nielsen and they're going to study the, the the data and figure out where the best value is for sponsors um, based off of these um, based off these locations. So um, which I can't argue with, but it, you yeah. know, I, I, I yeah. I think I think that that's the way that it should be, right? To have a have an uninterested third party come in yep. and say, 
where is the most, are you getting the most value out of your current schemes for the sponsors? And if you are not, where are you going to so that it gives these teams an advantage to then go to their sponsors say we just had a third party study these i know you weren't interested in the past or you know we were real close on getting a deal uh here's x amount of dollar value that we can Mm -hmm. expect uh per nielsen who's a very reputable third party are you interested now you know maybe maybe we can pick up some new support by giving them that uh, you know, that data to then go and, and work with partners and sell to partners of, of, of the sport. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to, um, to see where it goes, but while I personally would like to see the, the numbers stay right on the center of the door, um, we have and I'm all for that. So I can get past that. Um, they don't look bad last year but they were kind of thrown together for the all-star race um teams design their paint schemes around uh around so we have data involved uh instead of just some opinions of nascar fans and uh nascar teams so we shall see yeah and uh, uh yeah i I do want to give you a quick forewarning here since we are live and we're not going to be able to edit this out the Detroit Uh-oh. we got Lions. We got cats eating. Oh no! <laughs> the Detroit Lions are about to be on the clock in the NFL draft. So, oh, all right. Interrupt you with like a like a woo or a boo or anything. It's probably because <laughs> of, uh, what the Lions just did in the draft. Clark Clark might be ecstatic, or he might be real angry here in a few minutes. So, uh, I I think. It's safe to say, no matter what they do, it's not going to improve. Uh, what they do, <laughs> How about yeah, that? It's, it's probably just going to be the same old lions where you know we're competitive for about none of the game. Then we then we come back in the fourth quarter, make it a close game, and then we find a way to blow it about fifty percent of the games, and then end up. Uh, in the middle of the pack for the draft, which we're we're picking seven seventh tonight, so um, that just tells you how bad we were last year. And hopefully, they take advantage of the seventh pick here, and uh, you know, get add some value to their roster. So, yeah i I think they're beyond help, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, <That's> so, <laughs> we will see what happens with the Lions. <laughs> Um, we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, iRacing, uh, going to be running a Chicago street course here in the next few months. Um, and we talked that it could be kind of a, an experiment to maybe run this in real life. Um, it came out earlier today, uh, that NASCAR is exploring running a, excuse me, a real life street race in Chicago, um, in the coming years. Uh, they're, they're trying to make it work for next year already, but obviously there's a lot of logistics that have to go into, go into place there to, to run that. Um, but per Adam Stern on Twitter, uh, it's, it's said that they're in the early to middle stages. Um, so it still could happen for 2022. Uh, we probably won't have a, a 2022 schedule for quite a while, but, um, as predicted, this looks like it could be a real life thing based off of what iRacing has been able to do. 
So it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that works out. These cup cars have never been on a street course before, from my understanding. Um, could be wrong. Uh, they, they might have way back in the day, but um, I yeah. think to bring it. Yeah, I think we talked about that they had been on a street course maybe once or twice. But I still, I still stand with my opinion on that. I think it'd be pretty cool to see. I agree. Anything to diversify the schedule, count me in. I think that's great. I, I'd go to a, a Chicago street course race, 100%. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, um, yeah, Clark, uh, actually came from the ARCA race on, on uh, Saturday that we were at. Uh, I don't know that you and I really touched on it, but uh, Dave Mater, uh, finishing second in the ARCA race on, uh, on Saturday, 65 years old uh, in that race. Uh, and it has been 10,864 days since last finish in the top 10 of an ARCA race. <laughs> he finished second in 1991 at Talladega um, to Charlie Glotzbach. And uh, I guess it was pretty fitting that um, he was able to uh, to get that second place finish this week uh, as Charlie Glotzbach uh, passed away this weekend as well. So, um, But yeah, 65-year-old Dave Mater uh, finishing second. I didn't know that. I didn't know we watched a 65-year-old finish second on, on Saturday. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I remember them saying over the loudspeaker, like, I don't know, 10, 15 laps in uh, at the track, they, they mentioned, and I, I just caught the tail end of it. I didn't, I didn't catch everything that they said, but they said yeah. something along the lines of, um, you know, a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds out here running and you've got a 65 year old in the pack as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I kind of chuckled at that. Just didn't think anything of it. Well, yeah. you know what? we moved on and then uh watched the rest of the race and i mean the the arc menard race was even a pretty fun exciting race there as well and um it was cool for me to i haven't watched or ventured into the arc menard series much and so it was kind of cool for me to see that and kind of start to familiarize myself with some of the names in in arc menard and i picked up my new favorite driver drew dollar drew dollar making that money Making that money out there in the Arkham Menard series. Um, I think I said that that was the last bit of news, but I did want to mention, uh, just a reminder, that the next-gen launch or unveiling comes about uh, next week, May 5th. Uh, Big days, uh, or big day next week, uh, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Clark may be too drunk to see the next-gen unveiling, Um, but... uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I hope you enjoy some Coronas or maybe some Dos Equis or, um, you know, hopefully you find a, a nice margarita somewhere too. So, um, yeah, probably at Costco if I <laughs> during the workday. Yeah. May, may the fifth be with you. I may think. the fifth. <laughs> yes. I think that's how that goes. That's In what you'll be saying head. by the end of the day. Yeah. And you know, by that, I mean like a fifth of, whiskey or something <laughs> right <laughs> right um but yeah the the next gen car um that that rolls off in 2022 uh they are announcing everything behind it next week um i'm super excited to to see that and uh we will probably be recording next wednesday after that so we may even touch on it uh next week as well um but uh there's been some leaks and some teasers this week uh unfortunately somebody leaked a picture pictures of the next gen car uh on reddit this week um 
I, I'm gonna I say saw that. that. And I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna be that old old man, the get off my lawn type of old man. <laughs> Nothing yeah. is sacred anymore. Somebody's right. gonna take a picture of something and freaking leak it before the release. And right. it seems like that always happens. So Yeah. It's it's too bad too because NASCAR's put so much time and effort into this car and um I guess I guess it only makes sense that something was leaked, but I wish it would have just been, you know naturally released and and it's a big event next week and because this this is a big deal for nascar this next gen car it's you're looking at the next gen car and you're looking at the at the next generation of nascar um we talk about street courses we talk about short tracks we talk about uh road courses it's a it's a whole thing that encompasses nascar and and that is what the next next generation is so um that's where we'll stop on the next gen topic because we're gonna have plenty to talk about um, when that car actually comes out, but, uh, but May 5th, mark your calendar, uh, next week that next gen is unveiled. Um, it's a completely different, uh, different direction that NASCAR is going. And, and, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see all the, all the bells and whistles this car is going to have. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it and I'm excited to see it. And I think we're almost right on cue here. We might be if we can drag this out a little bit longer we'll finish up our last piece of news with the detroit lions pick because the pick is in but nobody is on the stage yet to tell us who the pick is okay Uh, i mean we can probably move on at this point but i'll (laughs) i might end up interrupting you to to (laughs) pick is okay well let me uh let me look at our news or our uh, i'm sorry not our news but uh in the groove or in the marbles um see if there's something quick we can do how much time are we working with here see that's the problem with hey the- you, you, actually you know what you know what we didn't do we didn't do a race review uh uh for fantasy perfect yep how about that i'm sure you have that info ready yep so uh you had scored a whopping oh boy two points this week with kurt bush correct yep with kurt bush and his, I believe, 36th place, Ouch. Uh, 35th place finish with no stage wins or stage points at all, I don't believe. I think that's how we get to two points there. Yep. I made up a huge gap on you here with Denny Hamlin <laughs> scoring 12 points. So, close the gap by 10 points, points here. <laughs> Um, we combined for 14 points and like we, like we had said last week, Logan scored 50. So, uh, we combined for 14, <laughs> Logan scored 50. Uh, Ouch. That hurts. Lions pick is being read right now by right. Mr. Roger Goodell, who is not a fan favorite. If you've ever watched the draft, I was going to say in the Groover and the marbles are on, on Roger Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> marbles <laughs> and hey. would, would you look at this though the lions i don't know anything about this guy but they drafted a tackle hmm. uh, an offensive tackle and you know it from out of oregon and you know holy cow all i can say is we didn't pick a tight end you know or a, a wide receiver with our seventh overall pick and i i can be happy with that don't know a thing about this dude he played for Oregon um but again I can be happy with us drafting offensive linemen um hopefully he pans out to be something special 
Yeah. Yeah, anything we can do to get uh, any of the Detroit teams to be semi-competitive would be uh, would be an advantage. <laughs> it's it's not good at all. But uh, I actually, after this podcast, I think I'm going to buy some Tigers tickets. Uh, I'm ready to go to a baseball game. You uh, you down to hit up a baseball game? It's about a 45 minute drive for me, so just let me know whenever. <laughs> that's that's less than what it is for me. That's about two and a half for me. So, <laughs> but hey, that's okay. Uh, so shall we move on to in the groove or in the marbles? Yep. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. So first topic, uh, Joey Logano, we're going to, uh, we're going to go back to his weekend, uh, at Talladega, uh, Joey Logano after, uh, barrel rolling, uh, down the backstretch at Talladega. Uh, says to, to TV and radio, uh, when are we going to fix this racing? We have to stop it. Uh, in the groove or in the marbles, Clark? Oh, man. it's I had a much more heated take on this, I think, when, when I was drunk leaving the track and I had heard him uh, heard that interview. Wait, you, you drink? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a few beverages. <laughs> at the track and we were leaving and I heard the interview and you know my initial reaction was that I'm I guess I would say in the marbles on it um just for the just for pure entertainment value which is not a good reason to be uh in the marbles on this um so I'm actually gonna go with in the groove um with Joey's comment on that um Nobody wants to go to a race or watch a race on TV and see somebody get seriously injured or die. Um, you know, and Joey Logano's very lucky that he wasn't seriously injured or possibly dead, um, to put it quite frankly, because we could have seen a very similar thing to what happened to Ryan Newman happen um, this weekend. You know, if he had come down on his – on uh, on his roof while somebody was hitting his his uh, cabin or cockpit or whatever you want to call it uh, in the in the door, um, which it was very close. It was very very close to happening that way. Um, again, you know we saw what happened to Ryan Newman and you know how scary that was. And so, at the end of the day. I'm all for going and seeing the big racks, right? But we've got to find a way to keep these things from getting airborne because God forbid um, he gets injured. God forbid somehow that gets up, that car gets up and over the catch fence. And now you've got a bunch of injured fans as well. Um, God forbid he comes down on somebody else's car and injures them. Um, let's keep the racks on the ground and not get these things airborne. Cause I think that's, that's the closest we've been to a serious injury or a death in NASCAR was Ryan Newman. Um, and in quite some time and, you know, Joey was talking about how he's lucky as well. And, uh, you know, he thinks that we need to do something about it. My initial reaction was, man, that was exciting. Uh, shut up Joey. Uh, and that part of that is because, like I've mentioned before, I just have a lot of dislike for Joey. I'm not a huge, huge fan of Joey Logano's. And uh, that was my initial reaction. Like, you know, come on, man, that was exciting. Fans like to see it. 
you know what you're signing up for when you get into the sport, but why why do we have to have them signing up for that when when they get into the sport, right? So um, I'm in the groove on his comments. NASCAR should. I don't know that they need to what they need to do is figure out a change that's going to keep these cars on the ground and make that change. And I know that you had mentioned, um, don't steal my thunder. Don't do it. Are you going <laughs> to talk about engineering? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I know that you would, I'll let you kind of talk about that, but you know, NASCAR needs to find a way to restrict um, the teams from, making the cars go speeds that NASCAR tried to restrict them from going. Um, you know, they essentially what's going to happen is they, they can keep making changes, but if engineers keep finding ways around it, then, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to see cars not leaving the ground. <laughs> um, so they need to put some sort of rule in place or some sort of, I don't, I know if the answer is like a governor in the car, which I don't, <laughs> I, I would hate to see in, in NASCAR um, have some sort of restricting device. Um, well, you know, you know what, if, if they actually put a governor in the car, especially a Michigan there, that car would be locked down real tight. <laughs> that, that's, that's very true. <laughs> that car wouldn't be going very fast at all. Yeah. That, that is very true. Um, stop it don't bring politics into this yeah the hell (laughs) i know it but you know i there's got to be something that can be done i don't know what the and the problem is i hate being this guy because i don't i don't have a solution right and so it's i just feel like i'm the guy that's pardon my language bitching just to bitch you know and it's like and but there's no, I, I don't have a solution to propose. So I just, I'm going to say that I agree with Joey Logano, even though he didn't propose a solution either, other than we need to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what is, what is the real solution? Nobody knows. Uh, I agree with him. Let's keep the cars on the ground, not get people killed, not get people seriously injured and, and keep our sport um, fun and safe for everybody. Yeah, um, you didn't you didn't steal my thunder too much there. Um, I tried to quiet down a bit <laughs> there with what <laughs> right. Um, I am actually surprised at the um, direction you went with that. Um, I just I, I would have thought you were uh, you were in the marbles. So I am going to go with in the groove as well. Um, I think when you and I left the track on Sunday, we're like, man, that was awesome. That was exciting. Uh, and even tonight I said, cool. I've never seen a car roll over when I'm in person. Right. I don't want to go to a race and ever have to worry about a driver not walking away from a wreck. Um, unfortunately that was the case on Saturday. Um, we didn't even mention this, but, um, Derek Lancaster in the ARCA race hit the wall. The car caught on fire. Um, and unfortunately he, he got out of his car. He walked to a stretcher and laid down and, and, um, was, was transported to a hospital. He is still on a ventilator. Um, they're still checking his lung damage. He was in that car that was on fire for a long time. Um, and 
it's sounding like he's improving, but you never want to be at a race where somebody somebody gets seriously hurt. It, it's it's exciting to see a, to see a wreck. It's exciting to see intense racing, but you want to make sure that person walks away. And and I think I even mentioned to you, man, you, you never know what's going to happen at Talladega, right? Like when you wreck at Talladega, it's no joke. I mean, it's the biggest, most badass speedway there is, fastest speedway on the tra- on the on the circuit. Yeah, and you you said that because I I said, well, that's something new that I haven't seen mm-hmm. at the track. And right. there's a helipad right mm-hmm. by pit lane with a uh like a life flight basically mm-hmm. just sitting there waiting to fly somebody out of there and i'm like well right dude. i'm like that's kind of crazy <laughs> right yeah um, and and, so. and the cars are so safe these days that you don't think that's going to happen right. and and unfortunately uh derek lancaster was transported by ambulance after all the smoke inhalation and um it seems to be just smoke inhalation at this point, um, from my understanding, but he is on a ventilator. Um, they're making sure his, his lungs are okay. But, but, but back to Joey Logano, um, well, and first of all, Derek Lancaster also had some burns, but, but burns are one thing. Uh, lung damage is another, right? Um, you never want to see it. Um, especially when you're, when you're in person, like we, like when we were, you could see that fireball rolling down the backstretch. And that's a scary sight to see, especially when there's fire involved. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's, that's one thing that we should touch on too, is one of the, well, first of all, I don't think that would happen in a cup car. I think the cup cars kind of have, and I don't know the differences between Arca uh, the ARCA safety features, but the cup cars kind of have those built in, you know, fire extinguishers and um, safety features. It's not to say that it couldn't happen, mm-hmm. um, but I think what we kind of mentioned, and I don't know if it's true or if it's been confirmed or whatever, but when we saw that wreck happen at the track, um, we were like, was his were his brakes out because he just kept yeah. driving and then there was no grass or anything for him to, so he basically went down the whole Alabama super stretch or whatever it's called um, with his car on fire because it didn't look like he could stop. You know, I don't think he right. had brakes. And so basically his only choice was to go all the way down into turn, uh, turn three, then go in the grass and uh and and then he could get out of the car and so um, i think the cup cars kind of have that even if he even if somebody lost their brakes mm-hmm. that their car might extinguish those flames um or sh- most i would say most likely would extinguish those flames by the time you know a driver had any serious injuries um, which maybe if, if the ARCA cars don't have that, maybe that's something that, and I know they're a little bit underfunded as a series and as, you know, as teams, maybe that's something that gets introduced or obviously we don't want to see people getting seriously burnt or having, having lung damage and things like that. So, um, but that's one thing that I wanted to mention too, is what, what can the tracks do, you know, cause obviously it's not good if somebody's on fire and they don't have any brakes and they can't stop until and your track is 2.66 miles long so if somebody gets in a massive wreck and on you know coming out of turn two 
or, you know, maybe just a hair out of turn two where their brakes go and now all of a sudden they have to float, uh, you know, probably, I don't know how long that, that back stretch is there, but, you know, three quarters of a mile or whatever it might be uh, before they can ever get out of the car, you know, maybe is there, is there a need for grass on the, on the back stretch there? Is there something that the tracks can do to, to help keep things safer in, in Joey Logano's situation and in, um, in, in Derek Lancaster's situation? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up grass. Um, well, first of all, the fire string extinguisher should be in that ARCA car, but, ARCA teams operate on a, on a much smaller budget. So I don't know, you know, you just never know how well things are put together in those cars. Right. Um, but aside from that, these tracks used to have all kinds of grass, but they got rid of it for the exact reason that we saw with Joey Logano, um, on, on Sunday. If you go watch Elliot Sadler, 2003 Talladega, that is the exact reason there's no more grass there anymore. Um, but enough about the wreck, um, in terms of a solution, uh, I'm going to go in the marbles on this because, um, we can slow the cars down even more. So, um, so after Ryan Newman's wreck in the 2020 Daytona 500, NASCAR looked at those cars and said, we have to slow these down. These cars are going so fast. Um, that when Ryan Newman's car hit the wall, it immediately went airborne, immediately flipped over. And, and of course, that put him in a bad position when Corey LaJoy hit his driver's door. Um, so NASCAR said, okay, we're going to back down the speeds even more. Um, at Daytona and Talladega, these cars are, um, they used to be restrictor plates, but they're now a tapered spacer on the engine to where it restricts the power, uh, the amount of power that these cars can turn to where they'll go slower. If these cars were unrestricted at Daytona and Talladega, they could probably go 250 miles an hour. And, and obviously, we don't want that. Um, so, with that being said, NASCAR reduced the speeds with the tapered spacer on these cars back in 2020. And the sport is very engineer-driven these days. And what those engineers that work for the teams did is they said, okay, that's fine. You, you took away the power here in the engine. We're going to go to work, and we're going to figure out how we can get some of that speed back aerodynamically. And essentially everything, after listening to articles and everything this week, or I'm sorry, listening to interviews and reading articles this week, it sounds like those engineers got back all the speed that NASCAR actually took away from them from the 2020 Daytona 500. So we're back in the same spot that we were when Ryan Newman wrecked. Um, now, Joey Logano's car would have stayed on the ground had it not been for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. running into the side of him. He just barely clipped him. And when he clipped him, it lifted the car off the ground. And that allowed air to get up under the car, pick the car up, and those cars are 3,400 pounds. That is a lot of weight to be picking up off the ground. But that car was probably going 185 miles an hour at the time. So, so NASCAR's job is to go back and look at the liftoff speeds um, when they run it through the, uh, through the wind tunnel and aerodynamics. Uh, we're going to have to explain what a wind tunnel is now, by the way. But, um, but the aerodynamics of the cars and, and figure out what is the point where this car lifts off the ground and cars get upside down. We never want to see cars get upside down because it's completely out of their control. 
um, you get cars on their uh, on their roofs and and people run into them and that's it's it's just a bad situation. Um, that Ryan Newman wreck was the worst I've ever seen in NASCAR. We don't want anything like that again. Um, with that being said, you and I talked a little bit about what happens if we slow the cars down. <laughs> We're going to get to this in the next topic too. So I don't want this to come off as a double standard, but um, the the super speedway races, Daytona and Talladega, these cars are so closely packed together and, and the draft is so effective that these cars are going so fast and you get big wrecks, you get cars running into each other, turning them, turning them over. Um, and, and you don't get that at, at other racetracks. So here's, here's some facts for you, Clark. Sunday's race had an average speed of 147.62 miles per hour per hour. Now, of course, that is with cautions involved, right? So you have um, seven cautions for 34 laps. Now, when you and I talked on Sunday, I said, I think about the 2003 Aaron's 499 that was run at Talladega. And I said, that was a great race. You had great pack racing. You had lots of passing. What if we went back to that package? I, I guarantee 18 years ago that, the speeds were a lot slower because obviously the technology wasn't there. Um, and, and it was just a, a different time. Right. So real quick, before I go into that, the Geico 500 on Sunday, again, 147 miles per hour, average speed. You had a margin of victory of 0.102 seconds. So you're less than a second uh, margin of victory lead changes. That's what we talk about, right? Talk about a lot about lead changes. Everybody wants to see passes for the lead. On tw- uh, in 2021, you had 35 lead changes. Aside from that, green flag passes, which accounts for every pass in the field at, at different scoring loops throughout the track, 9,738 lead, uh, I'm sorry, green flag passes. That was roughly 62 passes per green flag lap. That is crazy. Um, now, NASCAR, these tracks are set up with, with scoring loops because when a caution comes out, the, the scoring loops capture where everyone was in each position um, to, to help set the lineup or even determine the win. Um, that, that data wasn't around back in 2003. So I'm going to touch on 2003 stats, but the, the green flag passes won't be around because of scoring loops. The technology wasn't there. But... But Clark, just so you know, we saw 9,700 passes on Sunday afternoon. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty wild to think about. Yeah. 2003, let's go back to the average speed. So 2021, average speed was 147 miles an hour. 2003, average speed was 144 miles per hour. Okay, we're going to bounce around for a second here again. On Sunday... Lead changes, 35. In 2003, lead changes were 43. Uh, Margin of victory. On Sunday, 0.102, less than a second. Uh, On Sun, uh, I'm sorry, in 2003, 0.125. Again, less than a second. So these cars were traveling a lot slower in 2003 and were a lot safer and it's not to say that cars can't get upside down, but NASCAR has made a lot of 
lot of improvements with the cars themselves to make sure they don't get upside down. Um, now let's look at reducing the speed. Let's, let's get the top speed as they go down the backstretch at 190 as opposed to 204 or 200. You know, that's a, that's a big difference. You're, you're looking at the liftoff speed. You're looking at how, um, how these cars are going to react once they get sideways and, and get some air up underneath of them. So as I just proved with those stats, the race was fantastic still. Let's just make sure cars don't get upside down, right? Yeah, I think ultimately that's that's what all of us are hoping for. You know, um, as exciting as it was to see, like we like we've said all along, we don't want to see somebody leaving there with us not knowing. Are they alive? Are they seriously injured? Right. You know, we, we don't want to be there to witness and we don't want to we don't want to see it on TV. You know, at the end of the day, what the drivers do, it's a it's a sport, but it's it's there for entertainment and it's a workplace environment. Right. And you don't want to nobody should die in their workplace. Um, you know, so let's let's try to keep it as safe as we possibly can. Um and I'm I'm okay with it as long as the racing is still exciting. I don't think we need to be going 205, 206, 207 miles an hour down the back stretch. I'm I'm with you there. I probably wouldn't even notice a difference if they were going 190. To be completely honest, I don't I don't think right. I would notice a difference. Um, they would just come around to where we were sitting, probably a couple seconds. Uh, it'd take a couple seconds longer for them to get back to us. Yeah. Um, and at that point you don't notice, I'd, I'd be curious to see kind of like what the speeds and, you know, we don't have to get into it right now because we are kind of deep into this, but um, I'd be curious to see kind of like what the, the Xfinity series statistics look like as far as average speeds and what the Arca Menard series looked like, because you could tell the Arca cars were going quite a bit slower. Right. Um, but the like I mentioned already, you know, I thought the racing was was pretty solid. You didn't see as as many passes and stuff like mm -hmm. that as you did in the Cup Series, but that's because that's a completely different style of car, you know, a different package right. thing um, with different engines and everything. But um, if it, I don't know. I I thought both of those lower series were equally as exciting of races and Arkham Menard probably would have been equally as exciting as even the cup race. If there were 40, you know, 40 cars in the field, I think there was 28 or something like that. And yeah. it, you know, it, the, the talent isn't there in Arca either. And so that's, that's the other thing is, you know, obviously there are some talented drivers in Arca in the Arkham Menard series, but, um, I think if you were to put, you know, the Denny Hamlins, the Matt DiBenedetto's, the Kyle Larson's, the Kyle Bush's, the Chase Elliott's of the world into the into a full field Arkham Menard series race, um, I don't know. I think it, it'd probably end up equally as exciting as what we saw on Sunday. And so if, if it can be if it can be safe at lower speeds and equally as exciting bring it on you know yeah uh real quick before we jump into our next topic um just to kind of square off on the xfinity uh, i don't have arca racing um 
stats, but uh, the average speed of the Xfinity race was 139 uh, miles per hour. So uh, we know at 139 miles an hour, we can still make this race exciting. So um, especially with the aero package that is on these cup cars, uh, just drop the horsepower a little bit more and, and uh, keep the spoiler size. It is it's ugly as hell, but it produces the best super speedway racing I've ever seen since I've been watching. So I don't want to lose that. It's, it is such great racing. I don't want to lose that, but I don't want to kill anybody either. Right. Yep. Yep. Next topic. Uh, NASCAR is not considering ordering its drivers to be vaccinated against COVID-19 uh, and, and, and says it will not make a requirement uh, moving forward uh, in the group or in the marbles on that. We're not making this about politics. Just uh, in the group for in the marbles, Clark. Um, you said drivers. They're not requiring drivers to be vaccinated. Uh, that is correct. Yep. Um, I'm in the groove on it. Uh, I don't know that anybody's employers should be telling them to to get vaccinated, um, and I think. They, they, they can highly recommend it um, or, you know, suggest it. But I don't think that employers should should have a place to say if you don't get vaccinated, you don't you don't work here. Sure, it is their choice. But I just I think that the human side of things is to say, OK, you know, let's all be smart here. Let's all get vaccinated. We're not going to require it. And I'm a, I'm all for even, you know, if, if there's a bunch of pushback from the drivers, which honestly, I don't see there being pushback from many of the drivers. I, I, I may be wrong on that, but I think most of the drivers are just ready to get fans back in the seats and um, get life back to normal. And so they're just going to do, you know, what it takes to, to get there. Um, if, if they have a bunch of pushback from people, uh, I'm, completely for you know well we find we find you guys every week and i know that that goes into a different uh pop but well why don't we give you some incentive to get in to get vaccinated you know maybe give give your team a bonus or you know whatever if if 75 percent or 90 percent of them get vaccinated or whatever give them here's a hundred thousand dollars you know or whatever um to help your your team and you know thanks for doing the what what some of us feel is the right thing um some some of us may not feel that way or whatever but um but can can way, i can i get a hundred can i get a hundred grand for getting vaccinated <laughs> i don't know you might want to take that up with your employer <laughs> <laughs> call me in <laughs> making that phone call right now <laughs> In all seriousness, I know that yeah. there are employers out there that are, you know, for for example, my employer, um, we we actually had a meeting or not necessarily a meeting, but just kind of an email chain with all of the branches and said, you know, are we OK with giving free a free paid day off if you get the vaccine? Hmm. And, you know, I as far as I understand, there may be some branches that didn't OK it, but. I know that certainly I did and, and, and most of the branches within the company said, yeah, you know, we're not going to require everybody to get vaccinated. But what we're going to do is say that if you do get vaccinated, you get a free day off because most likely if you get vaccinated, you're not going to want to take a paid time off day. 
because you might have some some bad symptoms or, or side effects sorry um so you know i again i i i'm in the groove on it i don't think that employers should be saying sorry you can't work here if you don't do it but going to recommend it and then even incentivize people to do it uh so that we can get life back to normal and then i just think that most of the most of the people that are um, in the sport are probably going to to follow that, especially if there's some sort of incentive to the team, right? If you get ninety percent vaccinated and you've got you've got eighty five percent, and the rest are like, nope, not doing it. Like, how does that make you feel? Are you really a team player at that point? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, if I can go and just do what most people say is the right thing and get our team an extra hundred grand and help get the fans back in the seats. I just, I don't see that there's, and I, I could be wrong, but I just don't see that there's much downside to it. And so I think most people are on board, like let's get our life back to normal. Um, my, you know, I don't think your employer should be telling you to do that. I think that should just be one of those things where, you know, it is, Mm-hmm. It is what it is uh, out of the goodness of your heart. And, you know, if your employer is willing to incentivize you, perfect. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm also in the groove. Uh, I don't think NASCAR should require um, its drivers to be vaccinated. Um, kudos to the ones that are stepping up um, to get vaccinated. I believe IndyCar is requiring its drivers to be vaccinated for the Indy 500. Um, I'm going to look that up as I'm speaking here. Um, but the, the thing is, I'm actually going to take this a different direction, um, with the fact of, I I don't believe that, of course, drivers should be required to get vaccinated, but because like you, I don't agree that an employer should be pushing a vaccination on an employee. It's a personal choice. Um, I, like anyone, would love for this to be over and would love as many people to get vaccinated and get this over, uh, you know, quickly. But at the end of the day, it is a personal choice. Um, So I don't want to infringe on anyone's um, mindset on that. But the point I'm going to make is how about the fact that if a driver does not get vaccinated, and gets COVID-19, what happens when we're in July and August? And and say someone like Denny Hamlin, right? Denny Hamlin has an 87-point lead right now. He doesn't, um, he doesn't have a win. I'm sure he'll have a win by that point. But for, for, uh, for argument's sake, let's say he doesn't have a win by August. Okay, he's going into the next race. Um, and he ends up testing positive for COVID-19 because he didn't get a vaccine, right? He has to miss a race and he loses out on all those points. Uh, what happens at that point? And in terms of, okay, sorry, Denny. Um, does NASCAR create a waiver for him, a, a championship waiver or a points waiver for him uh, saying that he has to win and, and to, to get in? Um it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's it's obviously leaving it up to the individual, which it should be. Uh, but 
it's a very real thing. Um, if, if somebody chooses not to get vaccinated and, and they end up getting COVID-19, um, it could derail their whole season uh, to a degree. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so, so Steve Phelps in, in this article actually uh, by uh, uh, the Associated Press actually uh, quoted it as being a slippery slope as uh, to, to getting uh, to making drivers be required to get vaccinated. Well, I'm, I think it's a slippery slope. Uh, if, if drivers choose not to, uh, of course, that's their opinion. But man, I, I'd hate to be in the thick of the battle in, in the summer and, and you end up testing positive, I sit out a couple of weeks, right? Um, so I'm going to say in the groove for NASCAR not um, ordering its drivers to to be vaccinated. I, I don't ever want us to to be to be pushing something like that on our athletes. Um, it is a personal decision. Um, obviously you and I are, are both vaccinated. It's a decision we've made. Um, but not everybody feels that way. And, and, and just because you compete in a professional sport in does not mean that you have to make medical decisions based on that. So, um, but Jimmy Johnson tested positive for COVID-19 last year and missed the playoffs just by, just by testing positive for COVID-19. So imagine that exact instance happening this year. When, when you have the opportunity to, to hopefully not have that happen, you can test positive for COVID-19 still, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully the symptoms won't be, won't be as bad. And, um, you know, yeah, there's still a lot of unanswered questions with that too, but um, in terms of if you'll, you would have to uh, actually miss a race or not, but, um, I'm assuming you would, if you test positive for COVID-19, you'd probably have to miss a race, whether you're vaccinated or not. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but, uh, overall, overall consensus, uh, in the group for NASCAR, not mandating vaccinations. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, and I think it just kind of gives drivers more of an incentive to now, you know, last year you didn't have the option to get the vaccine. You know, there wasn't one ready yet. And you saw how it affected certain drivers, like you mentioned, Jimmy Johnson in, in specifics or in particular, but um, I don't know. I think it, it should just be one of those things. Yes, it's a personal choice, but that's uh, there's another incentive. Are you going to be the, the guy that lets your, your sponsors down and your, your team down and you miss the playoffs because, um, because of your personal choice? Um, that's, when, that's a decision you make, right? <laughs> right. And ultimately, I mean, do sponsors end up firing you? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, what Kyle Larson did last year was a personal choice, right? Now this is a completely different thing, completely different animal, but at the end of the day, it was a personal choice, right? So, um, that th- does, do sponsors have a similar now obviously it's not going to lead most likely it's not going to lead you from being gone from the sport and having to go through trainings and things like that but do sponsors have a similar reaction um if you're if you're the driver that chooses not to get vaccinated and then all of a sudden you've got a backup driver in their race um you know where they feel like they've or do they do they have some sort of way of compensating that sponsor 
because of the the personal choice that was made because you know at the end of the day the sponsor is most likely signing on for a race uh thinking that we're just we're using denny hamlin that as an example that denny hamlin is going to be in that race car for that race well all of a sudden now you've got a backup driver in the car or you know however it however it works out uh do you feel you got your full value out of it when, when, uh, you know, somebody else hops in the car, uh, maybe they go and get a win or something, then you probably feel like you got your full value out of it. But right. Part of, part of the reason you sign on is for that driver, you know, that driver, you feel like that, that driver is valuable and has a chance at putting your logo in, in victory lane and, then you know, getting all of the perks of you know on Sports Center, hearing Denny Hamlin talk about you, for example, um, you get all of those perks of putting your car in victory lane. If you if you've got a backup driver, do you feel like you kind of got shammed because they they made the personal decision to not get vaccinated? Um, I'd be interested to see how sponsors react to that. If you don't get vaccinated and you end up getting the virus and missing races. Yeah, it'll be a, um interesting storyline to watch. But uh, bottom line is, it's a personal decision. And uh, we encourage that of everyone to, to make that personal decision. Uh, but it could have championship implications here moving forward. Next topic, uh, the All-Star Race. All right, you listening closely? Because I'm ready to throw a bunch of stuff at you, Clark. Oh, yeah. All right. The uh, the format for the All-Star Race on June 13th at Texas Motor Speedway was announced yesterday. Um, so here we go. Uh, the format is as follows. Uh, the starting lineup is set by a random draw, uh, as most races have been this year. Uh, round one is fif- uh, 15 laps. After this round, the field will be inverted, starting anywhere from 8th to 12th. Uh, and it's going to be selected by a random draw. Do you know what inverted means in, in terms of racing? Uh, in terms of racing, no. Okay. Basically, the field's going to flip. So if, if, if that uh, dice picks that ninth place is going to be inverted, you're going to flip that the ninth place driver is going to start first in the next round. Okay. Um, so round two... Uh, 15 laps again with the entire field inverted after this segment round three, another 15 laps. Again, the field will be inverted starting anywhere from eight through 12th positions. Uh, and, and again, selected by a random draw. So again, as uh, the same as round one round four, uh, 15 laps, uh, just a straight 15 laps, wherever you finish, you finish. And then round 30, uh, or I'm sorry, round 30, round 50, uh, round five. Ooh, man, had too much gentleman Jack here tonight <laughs> on this Friday Eve. Check, check, check one, two. Uh, round five, uh, 30 laps. And the lineup for this round will be determined, uh, will be determined by a cumulative finish for the first four rounds with the best cumulative finisher starting from the pole. Uh, all cars must enter pit road for a mandatory four tire pit stop during this round. The crew with the fastest stop will pocket $100,000. Round six, so we have six rounds in the All-Star Race. 
Uh, Ten laps, cars will line up according to their finishing position from the previous round for the final segment. Uh, So typically, the all-star race is worth a million dollars. And as I just mentioned, the crew with the fastest stop will uh, pocket $100,000 with the driver uh, collecting $900,000. So with that format I just read to you, in the groove or in the marbles, Clark? Oh, man. In the marbles. What are we doing, man? <laughs> I, I just, we've mentioned this so many times with different races and, and things like that, where, you know, the, the duels and the clash and all that stuff. Let's just make this thing as confusing as possible for the casual fan. Somebody that just tunes in, doesn't follow the news on the sport. And then, you know, you see, you see everybody where, where they finish in that round. And the next thing you know, somebody finished first and they're, now they're starting at the end uh, in last place. And it's like, why did that happen? And I'm sure the broadcasters are going to be trying to explain it. And I'm sure it might come up like a little bit you know, in the, in the pre-race talks, but if you're going to do stuff like this, like, I don't, honestly, I just don't think you should be doing it at all. Um, why, why is that? Just because it's, what are, what are we trying to gain from it? Are we trying to figure out something else that we can implement into the, the cup series in general? Like, um, you know, the, the inversion thing. Are you ever going to implement that into, into the actual Cup Series? Probably not, if I had to guess. So why are we doing it in, in the All-Star Race? Um, let's just have the All-Star Race be a race that isn't confusing for everybody and can, can – you know, draw some, I don't, I don't know that I'll even watch with maybe, maybe it's a reason I do watch is because there's some, some crazy things going on. But I, I feel like even with, if you explain it to me 10 times before the race, there's going to be something that I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's what we're doing in this, this uh, stage or this, you know, segment or whatever that I'm just going to be like, you know, I'm going to lose interest. Like, why are we doing this? Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the marbles on it. I just don't, I just don't understand why we, why we try to do all these weird things and then, you know, not really gain anything from it as a sport and, and probably honestly even hurt viewership. Um, and just confuse maybe that's maybe this is the first time somebody ever t- tunes into an NASCAR race is like oh yeah hey the all-star race is on maybe I should check that out see what see what the sport's about and then uh, you know Matt De Benedetto takes first and all of a sudden they flip him to the to the end of the line invert the entire field and you're just like whoa this is stupid you know that guy just took first why are we penalizing him (laughs) and uh you know like then all of a sudden you're like okay this is really dumb you know change the channel um you probably lost that person for good maybe maybe 
somehow somebody likes that and you gain somebody, you gain a fan. But I'd have to say that, you know, most likely if somebody's tuning into the all-star race for the, the first time and they see this weird format like this and it's nothing like NASCAR actually is, uh, if you do gain them as a fan for life, well, they might be tuning into the next race going, well, that was pretty cool. I, you know, I'm going to tune into the next race. And then it's just back to normal racing. And they're like, well, what the hell? This is dumb. You know? Um, so why are we doing it? Why, why make it as confusing as possible and, and have all these different <laughs> things there for, yeah. for no reason that does no benefit to the sport whatsoever. And, you know, I guess I've kind of kicked that dead horse around for a couple minutes here. So I'll, I'll let all this clear. Uh, yeah. Take on it. Um, okay. So one thing I want to ask you real quick before I go into this, uh, your Tesla, what, what model is it? Model S. Model S 2015. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So one part I didn't mention with this is that NASCAR is also going to, uh, run a, a, uh, engine and I'm sorry, an engine package that is similar to the super speedways, which we just got off the topic of Talladega, right? Um, NASCAR plans to uh, run a tapered spacer that is currently run at the super speedways where the horsepower targets are in the 500 to 510 horsepower range. Okay. That's, that's one part I didn't mention. Okay. Okay. Deep breath. Um, this is where the episode gets its explicit rating from, um, from me. (laughs) Um, this, when this came out yesterday, I usually try to see both sides of the spectrum, but I literally feel like NASCAR Okay, first of all, we're at Texas Motor Speedway, the worst racetrack on the NASCAR circuit. We have taken that, and we're going to run there because Eddie Gossage and his, and his team over at Texas Motor Speedway have said, you gave a race to Circuit of the Americas. You took one of our dates. You gave it to, gave it to Coda. What do we get in return? Okay, well, you can have the all-star race. Even though your track sucks, you can have the all-star race, right? Okay, well, how do we make it compelling? Well, we make it 15 laps in six stages, and we invert the field three out of six, 50% of the stages, right? Or 50% of the rounds, just to make it semi-exciting, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm fired up about this. I could not believe this when it came out yesterday. So, okay, so that's what we do. We take the worst race check. We take the worst. Yeah. I feel like we should like cue up the circus music, like because <laughs> 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 I feel yeah. like that's where we're at right now. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, I haven't been to a circus in a while, and Texas Motor Speedway is not going to be the first circus I get to. Um, you could not pay me to go to Texas Motor Speedway, so. Uh, I don't think we'll have any uh, any visits from Eddie Gossage anytime soon. But so, yes, um, NASCAR 
took this all-star format, um, pulled it out of you know where, and threw it at the wall, right? That's how I feel about this all-star package, and it is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous! It's a bunch of BS. I cannot believe that a professional sport is going down this road to run a race with this format. Not only are the are the rounds where they're inverted and you only have 15 laps an issue, but then you take it and you say, okay, now we're going to reduce the horsepower. Are you freaking kidding me? We've reduced the horsepower time and time again in the NASCAR Cup Series, and the racing is shit. Like, it is absolutely horrible on mile-and-a-half packages. We've talked on, on mile-and-a-halves with this package. We've talked about how you cannot pass and, and that the, and that the uh, aerodynamics and the airflow disrupt the cars so much that the racing is terrible. When I tune into a race, I want to watch a race and have it be exciting. I want to see the drivers manhandling the car and actually have to drive the freaking car. This is not what that is. We are running it with this package. We're looking at a 500 to a 510 horsepower range. Clark, I looked up your Tesla that gets 329 to 691 horsepower. There is no way in hell that a streetcar should get more horsepower than a NASCAR Cup Series car in the leading series in the United States and what was supposed to be the leading series in the world. It is bullshit that we are continuing to reduce the horsepower in the NASCAR Cup Series, and we're going down this road of running gimmicks in the, in the all-star race. You want to make an all-star race? Well, put these drivers on track with the hardest cars to drive and the engineers throwing everything at these cars that they can to, to make it a compelling race and an exciting race instead of throwing gimmicks at the wall at the worst racetrack in NASCAR. I, I am fed up with reducing horsepower on these mile-and-a-half tracks because you can't produce a car and you can't produce an aero package that puts on good racing. And, and just because Eddie Gossage's feelings were hurt, we're going to Texas Motor Speedway for, all, for the all-star race, and we're going to put on a terrible race for the fans and, and for the, for the sport. So, whew, man, I am, I was, man, I was so pissed when I saw this the other day, um, yesterday <laughs> in terms of the all-star race. It's um, just the fact that we're going to be almost below 500, 500 horsepower. I looked up what cars are around 500 horsepower online a 2020 Jeep Grand Cherokee has more horsepower than a Cup Series car. Are you shitting me right now? That <laughs> is insane. Like, a Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk has 707 horsepower. Now, obviously, that's the top model of a Jeep Cherokee, but come on. We can't have, we can't have street cars running more horsepower than a Cup Series car. Yeah, and for those of you that did catch that noise that just came out of my mouth, that was the bomb going off. That, that was <laughs> um, <laughs> but for good reason. Um, yeah, you know, it was much more well said than what I what I said. Um, you know, I completely agree with you. Like it is one hundred percent. Just from the brief way that you laid it out to me, one hundred percent circus and zero percent nascar and um you know sure there are other sports out there that have their all-star game you know the the pro bowl for example for the nfl is not football 
you know, it's, you know, they don't tackle each other, but there's reasons behind that. Um, they have reasons that, that make sense. You know, when, when you get to the pro bowl, you've got somebody who isn't, you know, maybe, maybe the NFL, you know, like a Tom Brady or something is going to the pro bowl. Tom Brady's not going to want to go out there after, you know, a 20 year career and go to the pro bowl and have some dude blow his knee out because he's got a bunch of linemen in front of him that aren't, you know, they, they aren't used to playing together as a unit. Um, so they've kind of, they've kind of toned down the pro bowl for reasons that, okay, Tom Brady might get invited to the pro bowl, but he's going to say no, if he's going to risk his livelihood to have his knee blown out. Right. Um, but this whole inversion thing, what is that doing? You know, it's not, it's, do they think it's exciting? Is it? Yeah. Is so, it so they're, they're trying safety? to, no, no, no. It's not for driver safety. It's to invert the field, to put the faster cars at the back. That's why I say a very gimmicky, like way of doing it. But the fact is they put them at the back and then they give them the worst package that there is possible for passing cars. You have the least amount of horsepower to pass cars and you were going to stick the fastest cars at the back. Right. And so essentially at the end of the day, you're, you're doing the opposite of what the NFL is doing, which is, you know, okay. If, if Tom Brady's going to decline playing in the pro bowl because he might get injured, let's make it so we don't tackle Tom Brady. You know, they're essentially saying, okay, let's take the fastest, the best cars, let's put them in the back and have them try to work their way through, which obviously this is an all-star race. There's going to be, you know, it should be the, the top tier drivers in, in the field anyways, but let's put the, the fast cars at the back and have them try to work their way through this obstacle course to the front of the, front of the race and potentially um, risk hurting somebody, you know, um, you know, we did see Kyle Busch like break a break an ankle uh, early in a season a few years ago, um, and and things like that. So you know, there's there's still obviously at any at any race there's still risk for injury, and it seems like let's invert this just for excitement. And at the end of the day, you might actually be and ending up putting somebody at risk to get injured or, you know, something along those lines. I'm assuming nobody's going to get injured in the all-star race, but again, what are we doing it for? Like at the, at the end of the day, people tune into these, these, uh, these types of events just for it to be, you know, exciting. They tune in the, the pro bowl just for it to be, you know, kind of a casual, let's, let's watch the pro bowl, you know, um, let's just kind of have fun with it and it just and maybe that's what nascar thinks they're doing but it to me it just doesn't feel fun it feels stupid let's try to take what we can from the the all-star race and turn it into something that we can actually put on uh you, you know let's test something that we're considering doing in our sport um for example, well, that's, that's, that's a scary thing is NASCAR uses the all-star race to test things that they may be looking to implement. And, right. and I hope this fails. <laughs> I hope it fails because right. I don't want to see cars go down to 500 power. 
We're already at five fifty. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think we're both on the same page there. Yeah. This is a very controversial topic when it comes to NASCAR fans and uh, NASCAR reducing horsepower. You know, these, these engines used to turn 850 horsepower, and it's been reduced, reduced, reduced. And, and I hope that in 2022 or when we, when we launch the new engine um, with the next-gen car, I know there's going to be an, uh, an electrification to the race car and, and the motor. So I'm hoping that, okay, 550 or 500 horsepower of that is, is um, a gas-powered gas motor. But then, okay, maybe we have 300 horsepower that is powered by um, electricity, right? I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue with that. The only thing I have an issue with is dropping the horsepower to such a degree that NASCAR has always been touted as the, the best drivers in the world. Okay, so we're taking the best drivers in the world and we're giving the least amount of power that we can. It's not right, and it drives me crazy. And I, I hate to say it, but this might be turning into an IndyCar podcast here in the next couple of years. I mean, holy cow, it's like... <laughs> Uh, IndyCar by 2023, they're looking to implement uh, 900 horsepower by 2023. So it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And when I tune into a race, I want to see something that a normal human being can't do. I want to see badass racing. I want to see drivers actually having to drive the car and in excitement and when cars are glued to the track and the drivers don't have to drive them, that is not excitement. And I firmly believe that that is one of the reasons Jimmy Johnson retired from NASCAR and moved over to IndyCar. So NASCAR needs to get their head out of their, you know what, and, and stop reducing horsepower. It is, I, I don't understand the direction that we're going with this. And man, had I known that this, this, uh, this, rule change or this package of the all-star race was coming down when we saw Steve Phelps, the NASCAR president on, on Sunday, I might've went over and had a conversation with him. Hey, Steve, uh, excuse me. Um, what are you, what are you doing <laughs> with, with NASCAR in the sport? Um, cause this doesn't seem like it's the right direction to be going. So, um, it's, it's one of the, the top things that gets me fired up. I, I can, I can complain about, uh, aerodynamic packages. I can complain about, um, uh, paint schemes and, and where that number might be. But when you are literally taking horsepower away from these drivers and saying, you know, Hey, we're going to make it easier for you to control your car. An issue with that. Right. Yeah. So, <sighs> all right. Well, now my blood pressure's up um, <laughs> and my blood pressure's up and I'm out of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like but, a bad. <laughs> it is a bad combo bad combo jack come visit me again <laughs> gentleman jack um whew, man so uh that actually ends our our um segment in the groover and the marbles um i'm fired up and i can't help it with with that topic so um i guess we'll see where nascar goes with it in the future but in my opinion a, a street car of any kind should not have more power than a race car that's on a racetrack. 
All right, uh, Clark. Let's uh, let's jump into our weekend preview. Uh, hopefully, you have your fantasy picks picked out this week. Uh, we didn't talk about it before we jumped down here. I, I have mine, but um, do you know what race we're heading into this week at Kansas Speedway? The Bushy McBush race, four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> uh going from being stressed out from horsepower to the bushy mcbush race 400 at kansas speedway <laughs> hey, nascar did something right with that no, no, they, i love it they, they didn't really do it right they let bush <laughs> you know make, make yeah. a good name for them so yeah exactly exactly so uh yes the bushy mcbush race for a I cannot wait to hear the net, uh, to, to hear the uh, announcers say that, especially Clint Boyer. I know Clint's a big fan of Bush. I uh, can't wait to hear them say that on, uh, on Saturday night. Let me look at my notes here. I think it's Saturday night. Uh, Let's see. Where are my notes? Clark, where are my notes at? Here we go. Uh, I can't say this one buddy <laughs> well uh my notes don't say it so oh, here we go uh may 2nd may 2nd so i think i think that's sunday right okay yes so. it is it is sunday yep um usually my notes say right at the top when when the race is but uh but yeah let's let's jump into uh the, the preview here uh nascar truck series and the this weekend um xfinity is off so the the truck series has 40 trucks entered uh again this week and cup series has 39 so uh pretty solid fields for for both series um maxing them out in the truck series and and just one eye on the cup series so um yeah kansas speedway has been a very exciting racetrack excuse me over the past few years has produced some brutal wrecks. I, I don't know why um, why it has in the past few years, but we saw Anthony Alfredo get upside down last year. We've seen fiery wrecks between Eric Almarol and Danica Patrick. Um, it's just seemed to happen that way. So um, hopefully we don't see any of that this weekend uh, in terms of hopefully nobody gets hurt, of course, but um, want to see an exciting race and, and a compelling race. So, uh, with that being said, uh, Clark, do you have your fantasy picks lined up? I do, and you uh, you actually get to go first this week. It's another okay. off here, so let's go go ahead. All right, perfect. Uh, I'm going to go with my man Alex Bowman this week at Kansas Speedway. I can do that, right? I don't think I've picked him. Correct. Awesome. You have not picked him. You haven't even picked him this season. Nice. So let me Sweet. type that in. Yep. Alex Bowman. Hang time, uh, everybody. We are Alex doing Bowman. this on the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you picking Alex Bowman? Uh, Alex Bowman has a, a good reputation on mile and a half racetracks. Um, has always seemed to be solid. Um, mile and a half and two mile racetracks. Has had success at Auto Club Speedway. Um, got his, uh, where he won in 2020. And also had his first win on a mile and a half at Chicagoland back in 2019. So, uh, I feel like Alex Bowman, his momentum has shifted. He was, of course, involved in a wreck at Talladega last week. Uh, that's kind of uh, a, 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 an abnormal track in terms of where they're racing. But um, I do feel like they, they have a good shot this week at Kansas Speedway at a mile and a half. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
my pick, I'm I'm trying to decide between. All right, I think uh, I think either do, one is do, do 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 do. I don't <laughs> like this pick to win, but I like this pick to score some some good points here. Okay. Uh, just because I don't think that he's going to pull off two in a row. We haven't seen that this season. Okay. Uh, we haven't actually, we've only seen one, one person win two races, um, let alone two in a row. I'm picking Brad Keselowski this week uh, for a couple different reasons. Um, three top fives in the last six races, a, a win, which is three, three top fives uh, at, Kansas in the last six races is actually the most out of anyone, okay. which, which is kind of crazy because, uh, you know, you do see a lot of times one driver will dominate the track for several races in a row at the track. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Jones has three top fives. Kyle Busch has three top fives. Brad Keselowski has three top fives. Martin Truex Jr. has three top fives. Chase Elliott has three top fives. Denny Hamlin has three <laughs> top fives. And Kevin Harvick top fives in the last five races uh but the reason i'm gonna i'm gonna go with brad k is uh he has led 76 laps there he's got three top fives he's got a win at kansas um and he's starting on the pole this week because of which i actually learned this that there's a formula based on their previous race um you know that will help choose the choose the lineup um and so he's starting on the pole this week with, combined with the top fives and the laps led and, you know, those things, I feel like hopefully he'll be able to at least get some stage points and help me help me get a little bit or narrow this gap between you and I a little bit. So, yeah. Well, that, that formula to, uh, to figure out starting position is almost as confusing as the all-star format. So, um, <laughs> wonderful. So, Brett, yeah, right. Uh, nothing like making it as confusing as possible for a casual fan. So, um, so you got BK and I have AB. I like it. So, yeah, uh, and I was okay. I was really thinking about taking uh, Kyle or Kurt Busch so I could have one of the Bush brothers at the Bushy McBush race. Uh, <laughs> right. But I'll just verbalize that, and then we're not actually going to pick him. So, okay. All right. I, I think BK is a uh, solid pick. I, I almost uh, went for him as well. I was uh, watching some uh, radioactive stuff from this, this weekend. And uh, I know that he has a pretty solid uh, success rate at Kansas Speedway. So uh, I think that's a good pick. Good pick. So um, we shall see if BK can make it two in a row. So, well, Clark, we are uh, we are about up on time tonight. Uh, did you have any uh, closing thoughts? We have about a minute and a half, so make it quick. Uh, just that, I mean, it's the Bushy McBush race, 400. I can't believe we had only said that, <laughs> like, five times so far in two hours. Right. Uh, Luckily for you, that's what I'm going to name the episode tonight. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's yeah. do it, even though we didn't really talk much about it. Yeah. Sorry, Bushy McBush. Uh, yeah. Maybe if if uh, you know Bush wants to reach out to us, I'm getting kind of sick of these free ads, and I know that <laughs> yeah, they're probably not listening. But you know, maybe if they had sponsored us, we would have uh, we would have mentioned the Bushy McBush race. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure, oh. for sure. Yeah, so we are uh, up for the Bushy McBush Race 400. I love the name. I think great promo that Bush has. Uh, yeah, sponsorship isn't free, so um, I think uh, <laughs> I think we'll find that out here pretty soon. But um, real quick, I'm, yeah. I know we got 15 seconds. I'm changing my pick to Kevin Harvick. I'm Kevin changing Harvick. my pick to Kevin right. Harvick. The Bush sponsored car at the Bushy McBush race 400. Let's do it. Well, man, a last minute pick there for the Bushy McBush race 400. Uh, Kevin Harvick. So, so we got uh, Kevin Harvick and Alex Bowman this weekend. I like the last minute pick. So, uh, so Clark, we are just about out of time. So, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in this weekend, uh, this week, uh, even though it was another raw, um, unedited version, but, uh, for the life in the fans lane podcast, I'm Derek, he's Clark, and we will see you next week with an exciting new episode.